Thank you for listening to the Patrick Healy Podcast. As always, this show is for entertainment purposes only and is not financial or medical advice. I have a guest in this episode, martial artist and UFC fighter Nicholas Maximov. Currently undefeated, we sit down ahead of his upcoming bout on May 14th. While watching fights, we talk about music, culture, investing, gaming, comedy, and of course, martial arts. Follow him on social media at Nicholas Maximov. And I've included a link in the show notes to his Instagram, as well as to represent who just dropped his fight capsule. Now let's get right to the show. That's how rappers are, huh? Yes. They have to use these nice ass mics? Yes. In their closet with a bunch of like aluminum. Yeah, I've seen that. And egg cartons. I have homies that rap and then I have some that make music, like different types of music. When you were growing up in Chico, was rap a big thing? Was that part of the culture? Yeah, but like, it's funny that um, rap is like a big culture, but like, in Chico, there's also like definitely another scene. Like, there's definitely a bunch of other scenes. Like, you got the alternatives. Like in high school and middle school, there was like the the emo group. You know, the more alternative rock group. Then you had like the old school like Def Leppard group. The like people that came in like Chucks and beat up pants and like a Motley Crue shirt. And then you got like the rapper, you know, the the rap music people, and then you had like the country people. Like there was hella groups, just clicks, and it was kind of, I mean, it's just how it was. It was kind of goofy. It was funny, but I listen to more alternative music, alternative rock than I do probably hip hop nowadays. I remember growing up on the East Coast when I lived in Baltimore. <laughs> it was like, as far as what I was exposed to in my neighborhood, it was all rap. Wu-Tang kind of stuff and punk rock and then I moved to Virginia Beach and it was all like fish and yeah I know fish. punk pop I guess you'd say like who like you ever heard of Zebrahead never uh, I'll play a song for you uh, after but they were like a punk pop group in the early 2000s my dad managed them uh, the lead singer was Justin Mariello I don't know if that sounds familiar. No. Because he was kind of in that area, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where the scene was. Yeah, he's kind of a pop punk guy, but... Punk, um, a punk pop that just popped into my head, as you said, that would be Paramore. Oh, yeah. Paramore's badass. They were... I saw them live when I was a hella little kid. I think I met this thing. I think I met him because my dad had him perform in Reno, and I think I met them. I think that, yeah, I did something with him. I had a big crush on Haley. Yeah, I think everyone did when they were a little kid. I mean, that was like the first punk girl. Well, you know, she was a punk girl, but uh, you ever heard of Flyleaf? No. They had a pretty cool uh, girl, a uh, rockhead who was pretty good, like a pretty good singer. So, But yeah, Haley, her name was Haley, right? That's yes. what it was? Yeah. Um, yeah, she was a pretty good, uh, she, was, she had a great voice. My all-time favorite female punk front woman was this is she's still going Brody Daly from the distillers and hmm. and the distillers were a really good group I found out about them because she married Tim Armstrong from rancid briefly oh wow and I think he produced one of their records 
Oh, cool. Something like that. But I was not exposed to all the music that you were as a kid. Do you think? Well, I was exposed to more because my dad's a promoter. So I, I mean, I listen to all types of music, but I mean, no one my age was listening to Deftones or Alice in Chains or 311. Um, I mean, I could go on New Radicals, uh, fucking who, I mean, I could go on and on, but no, no other kid my age was listening to that. You know what I'm saying? No other kid my age was going to like crazy ass concerts and rock and roll or metal or alternative concerts like My Chemical Romance or AFI or any, no one was doing that, you know, at my age. That's so badass to me. I think at this point in life, I would officially be called an audiophile. And I think it's just so cool that just via circumstance, you got exposed to so much legitimately good music instead of just the stuff that eight-year-olds usually. Well, dude, I was the weird, I mean, I wasn't the weird kid because I hung out, like, I played football and I was good, so I was technically with the cool kids, quote-unquote, but I didn't, um, I didn't, like, wear or do or, like, when I was in school, like, always hang out with them. I always did my own thing because I even just music wise I guess my music type was just different at the time you know and they were listening to rap and shit like Soldier Boy and stuff you know at the Tell time him. and I was listening to fucking yeah like My Chemical Romance or AFI do you remember how old you were when you went to your first concert like your first no real but concert? I mean I think my mom said I don't know if I, I think I was born um, but I was like probably a few months old and I think I went to a Metallica concert that's but it's nuts. like, how am I going to remember anything like that? You know, but well, you've told me you do remember being a kid and going up to like hardcore shows in Tahoe, Reno, Reno. Yeah. Tahoe like once or twice, but Reno, like the Grand Sierra Resort was like my home for a little bit. And that we was, lived in Reno. That was there. a scene. Yeah. That place was pretty cool at the time for the, for the time, man. I had a great experience there. You know, I had, I met Slash there and Slash was easily one of my favorite guitarists of all time. How old were you when you met Slash? Oh, I was probably 11, 12 years old. That's and so I had rad. a signature guitar, too. That's right. So I was like, that was badass. And I had him sign it. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some cool there's some cool ones there. I wish I was older so I could have just, like, you know, remembered it way better. But it sure. happens, you know? Well, the show goes on. The show always goes on, you know? You, uh, That's the scene. You also know one of my absolute favorite bands, <laughs> songwriters, and one of the most badass guitarists out, Isaac Brock. Yeah. From Modest Mouse. And they're going to be playing in Reno soon. Yeah, man. That, I want to go. I think it's the same night as my fight or something. But otherwise, I would otherwise, I would have gone. It is. I love Modest Mouse. They're great. You've got a fight coming up on May 14th. Yeah, May 14th. And your training camp has been going awesome. Mm-hmm. You're in probably the best shape I've ever seen you. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting for all of us. Obviously, you got to go do the work. Yeah. I feel like confidence has got to be at an all-time high. Also, you know, you're on a big stage at this point. Yeah. It's pretty crazy that as the country seems to, depending on who you ask, seems to be kind of crumbling into the metaverse, that real fighting has become one of the biggest sports in the world. And we're... Vegas on a huge stage maybe soccer that and soccer in in the world I'm not talking about America in the world it's probably fighting and and soccer yes and for for a long time 
I've known that the best athletes in the world or among the best athletes, you've always got your decathletes or whatever, but are mixed martial artists. And people didn't really realize that because they didn't know one, the level of conditioning it takes to compete, but also people didn't realize how broad martial arts is, how many different skills and techniques. There are so many out there that it's almost like you can't master them all in a lifetime. You and can't even master one. It's an incredible game Yeah. to be going through. I mean, yeah, it's probably impossible to master anything like that. Sure. Martial art-wise. But we're lucky as fans and as a public to get to see and appreciate like real athletes, real fighting at the highest level at a time when so much stuff is just not real. I mean, this is the age of fake business. Yeah, fake everything. Fake everything, everything seems to be fake. But I was what, talking to my dad the other day. It was funny. We were talking about money and um, like just looking at like your bank account, or you know, you have the stocks or cryptos or whatever. You look at that. And it's just a number, but then you have cash in your hand, like that feels real. You know, then you're like, just what you were just talking about. It's just funny how everything's becoming fake. Like it's just a number on a screen rather than having it in your hands. You know, I'd rather have it in my hands than on a screen, but it's probably better to have it on a screen, obviously. Well, that, that's a pretty deep thing to say, really, because yeah, you want something that you can hold in your hand. That's the biggest criticism right now generally speaking of crypto it's not a tangible asset and people have in their head well i need to hold something of value but the reality is the fake number that gets broadcast out to the american public is inflation's at about seven percent annually and inflation people think of as like going up right like if you have a house you get really excited if its value appreciates yeah so if your house goes up seven percent in a year you're like yay i made a lot of money but what we don't think about on the back end of that is that means that the money is depreciated. Sure. And the real number, the, the dollars that we can hold in our hand have depreciated mm-hmm. right now yeah. in the last 365 days. That's what we were kind of talking about the other day. It's down yeah. like 20%. Yeah. That's so you feel good about having it in your hand. But, but it's for really instance, like, right. no, it's not, you know. If you've been holding Bitcoin, what that people say isn't a real thing, so it shouldn't have all this value that's been one of the only things that you could own yeah that has been beating inflation that's actually allowed you to keep the value of your cash yeah yeah no i agree i think i think it's just weird just how everything's changing so fast in our in our eyes you know are you 25 4 24 when i was 24 i knew that there was such thing as stock but i had never <laughs> thought about buying it and my head just wasn't in any game probably like that Technically, I was studying to become a doctor, but you I, technically are. Yeah, I, yeah, I am a doctor. Uh, <laughs> don't tell nobody. But uh, I think it's pretty cool that you have had the foresight to get into investing, and what a funny time to do it. What? A, yeah, what a weird time. What made you feel like, all right, I need to, I need to start being smart with my money right now? Well, I think it was bat. COVID. Like, dude, the beginning of COVID, it's like everything's just shutting down. And it's like no one's making money and shit. And you're just like, fuck, what am I supposed to do? Might as well try this stuff. I mean, it's not going to hurt, I guess. I mean, you might lose a few bucks, but what's the worst that can happen? And, and you, you stuck know, with it. And, and I made a few bucks. <laughs> you were telling me earlier that you, you're actually up. I'm up on, on crypto stocks and everything. And when it's the market's down. 
you know? So it's like, that's fucking great. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to just keep holding and watching. I, I don't, I'm not in a hurry. You know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. This is when he gets triangle choked, huh? Yes. Poor it was guy. an entertaining fight. Poor guy. I know. Tony Ferguson's going to fight this weekend. And then he didn't look all that great against Diego Sanchez when he fought him the other day. Who, and, Kevin Lee? Yeah. Yeah, he's, I think. Eagle. Or, he was, he, he's like a typical, we talk about it all the time. Fighters, like, they have this high peak. You know what I'm saying? They win hella fights, they lose once, and then their career's just over. Like, with him losing, like Kevin Lee losing right here. His career just went hella downhill after this. Do you think there's any, like, any simple answer to why that happens? Yeah, they're not real fighters. And they're just athletes, you know, so they get that's the thing about like when you do jiu-jitsu and shit like that. Like when you do jiu-jitsu competitions, you got to have a short term memory because it's not like go. it's not. OK, you might lose a match or two. All right, big whoop. I'm going to get I'll get him next week when I go see him at the next competition. You it just you just brush it off like, all right, it happens. Does that kind of play into the distinction between being a fighter or being a martial artist? And I, I know that you kind of push away from the fighter label, even yeah. though you're an undefeated UFC fighter. You, you always call yourself a martial artist. Yeah, of course. That's, that's a better term, in my opinion, to hear than a fighter. That's just such a... It's like almost like a derogatory term when people say that to me. Like, oh, you're the fighter, dude. And they like, think, I don't just and they're all, they're all excited about it, you know? I know. I'm like, I don't just fight people every day. Like, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And I think that all of the different aspects that people don't realize about what goes into getting into the octagon plays yeah. into that. Like, yeah. you're working on your nutrition year round. Yep. You're working on your conditioning year round. You're, you're, you train. It's a lifestyle. Twice you know? a day, constantly. Yeah. You know, I'll, to. I'll try and keep up with you for three days and then I fall off and you're still training twice a day the rest of the week. Yeah. And then I'm trying to get my body back over the weekend yeah. and you're hitting miles yeah. and it's just total commitment to the lifestyle. Yeah. Well, you help me and you do all the cupping and the recovery and the chiropractic work. So you fucking help everybody. Do you think that that, is part of the training to be mentally there to handle the kind of pressure. What do you mean? Under. Well, like, you know, I, I've been getting on stage in front of people recently and, and doing stand up, and I'm only up there for, let's say five or 10 minutes, but the whole day it feels like an eternity. Yeah. And, and the, the moments before you get up there are the worst. Yeah. All oh, the unknowns. It's like, it's like a fight. When you're, dude, I'm like, you're walk, you're doing that walk and you're like, God, I'm about to fucking throw up. I remember being on the floor at your last <laughs> fight and just looking up at the crowd and being like, oh my gosh. There's fucking a lot of people here. It's a lot of people. Just don't look though. <laughs> just don't look. And I looked and I seen my homies and uh, I saw my team. I saw my dad, Randy. I saw Randy and I saw Randy like help me out like. Like I could just read what he was saying perfectly, and I went out and just tried to do that. So and you did cool. it, yeah. Well, we're we're excited about May fourteenth, and <laughs> I think that you've done all the work. Yeah, and that's Work's what it's all about. about. You know what I'm saying? It's just, but the training camp hasn't even stopped. It's never stopped, so we're always in shape. That's another thing. This team never stops training. No, man. I don't think people. We'll really go out and that. we'll do our thing. You know, we'll go if we're, we're. No one has a fight like when we were out in LA and stuff. 
like a few months ago, like we'll train at these gyms, whatever. Then we'll go hang out, have a good time, like go eat or go, you know what I'm saying? Go to a bar, just chill and hang out. But next morning we'll go wake up, run, train. We always get our training in. Like if something like, it's kind of like just with your life, like if something you're doing doesn't help you, it's like hurting you. You know what I'm saying? So if like we were doing shit that was not making us train, we, we wouldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? So everything we do, we do for a reason and a good reason, you know? We're all healthy ass and we're, everyone's getting better. So I feel like it's almost similar to an equity portfolio where you make deposits. Yeah. And if all you're doing is making withdrawals, the number has to go down. Yeah. But you guys are constantly making deposits. Yeah. And I've seen, I've been pretty into the MMA world for I guess over 10 years now I've seen a lot of competitors have a completely different approach they just fuck off until they've got a fight and then they try and put it together yeah and like you said there's there's not enough time in life to even master one martial art so all of those people have to know deep down that they're behind yeah I feel like there's a when I'm not training there's a black cloud over my head like, even for this fight, like, I'm like, I don't even feel like I've done enough yet. Like, what the fuck? I need to go do something right now. That's how I'm always thinking. Even when I'm done training, I'm like, damn, did I do enough? Or, you and, know what I'm saying? And is that kind of your motivation to yeah, but be training a, all the time? Yeah, but it's like, it makes you a mental head case. You're like, you're, all, you're like in your own head all day. You're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I not in the gym? Shit like that, you know? Do you find that you have things outside of fighting, say like music, that kind of shit that motivates you? Like when you're feeling like a head case, like, all right, get back on track. Yeah, music, yeah. Do. Like, but like I'll smoke. That's like the, my main thing. You know, if I'm tripping or something, like I'll smoke, chill out and relax. That'll help a lot. That's kind of a secret that's come out of the bag recently. How, I know. How helpful cannabis is to athletes. I know. And people are like, man, doesn't it affect your cardio? Doesn't it do this? And I'm like, dude, it makes it better. It, it helps my you recovery. You don't even understand. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know. It has, it, it's more than helps your recovery, too. Just your mental headspace. You'll just feel, like, refreshed sometimes. You don't want to do it so much that you're an airhead. Right. You know what I mean? But like, if you do it just the right amount, you're like, oh, I needed that. Now I'm good. Did you know that there are scientific studies that show that cannabis is a bronchiodilator, meaning it actually improves lung function? Uh, I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. Now, if like you said, you're just, you know, saturated with smoke. Yeah. That's not necessarily going to be helpful. Yeah. But using some cannabis can actually improve your ability to have good cardio. I would think just like a joint a day would probably keep the fucking doctors away. <laughs> I think it does. It kept COVID away from a lot of people. Yeah. It in in uh I remember people were trying to tell me it. that like uh there was like fake articles saying people who smoke pot uh are more likely to get COVID. There was like an article like so like thirty percent more. I was like, what in the fuck? You're looking Who around. Who does this? Where? Like, <laughs> like, where? Yeah, what the fuck? That was hilarious. That was like when it first started, though. Did you see the big study that came out last week where they looked at, well, two big studies in the last two weeks. One was 23 million people across Europe, Israel, and the United States found that 
the uh, the mainstream jabs, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, actually increased your risk of having heart problems, which yeah, was the opposite. I did see that. And some Northern European country just did it. One that was respected for all of their protocols just did a huge study, and wearing masks does not help children at all. Yeah, S- pretty much everything that we were told. I feel like it was was just wrong. I I don't care if who got the vaccine or not. I don't give a fuck. But and in my I opinion, like a money grab. Some people, you know, if you're old and three hundred pounds, it it might have been a really good idea to get the vaccine. But people who were living healthy lifestyles and just kept doing that, yeah, like us, mm-hmm. we're athletes. We train all day and we eat right. Well, at least us, like our. I'm saying us, our like our academy. Yeah, those our people team. are the ones that seem to have continued to just be okay. I know. And those people are the ones who seem to have had fewer mental issues mm-hmm. as a consequence of the lockdowns and, and putting all of your faith. Nothing changed with us. Yeah. Trains just kept going. You know what I'm saying? And people are changing and people are weird in public and shit. People don't know how to talk. It's like, hello. I don't know. It's, it's sad. It's just a weird world. But hopefully we'll rebound from it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about stocks over the weekend. And we were talking about stock pricing and how prices were getting more fair. People are all upset about how the market's going down every day. But history says every time stocks go down significantly, let's just say 20%, once you get through that period, yeah, everything gets way better. Yeah. And that usually reflects society. Like there are going to be a lot of people that just fall apart from what's yeah. happened the last few years. But yeah. on the other side of it, if you've remained healthy and remained productive, you're going to have a chance to be extra successful. Yeah, I feel like with stocks too, like when they see it dropping like that, like people just start pulling their fucking money. And you know like what's right so... Right away, you know what I mean? They forget everything that they've learned or been told. Yeah. Warren Buffett, who everybody says is like, you know, the god of investing. Yeah. He said a few very simple things for like 80 years. One is when things are bad, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you buy. Yeah. That's where the rich guys are made. Yeah. And yet, that's what's happening right now. I'm about to buy right now. And you just see people pulling out. What are you going to buy? I don't know. Should finish bid. Tesla's at 907. Tesla's holding on. It was at like like almost below 800, right? Yes. And then bounced right back up to 930 and is still holding on. Even though Elon's bought Twitter. Tesla's like the best stock ever, dude. That's like the best. That's how people probably made money. Mikey fucking bought. Mikey and Childs. Childs bought stock hella early, bro. Made hella money off of it. That fool is hella smart, bro. Both of those fools are hella smart. They're very smart. I think. Yeah, they're cool to talk to. I think I might have been the earliest buyer of our group. Oh, really? I didn't buy as much, but I bought between 180 and 275. You should fucking. Take that up with Childs, bro. We'll, we'll fight. But I'm pretty sure he's made more money off of it. Yeah, I think he's made a lot of money. And isn't Tesla about to split? Tesla's about to split. They're thinking about splitting it uh, by 20, I believe. Oh. Which would bring shares down to like 40 bucks a piece. Oh. Pfft. I'm buying like a couple bands worth. People who are scared, right? They'll be much more liable to invest at $40 too. And that means more volume coming in. That means more money for the people who have been holding. Yeah. 
back when I started buying what would had been happening to Tesla for a while. And all they really had was the model S as far as really being adopted. But every single time they would just barely miss their earnings. All of the bears would say Tesla's done. It's over. And it would drop down from like 250 into the hundreds. And, and yet I'm sitting there watching Tesla and I don't own one, but I know Elon Musk's track record, PayPal map software, the, what is now Google maps, um, obviously SpaceX boring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was continually bringing innovation into the car market that worked. You saw these cars driving around and more and more wealthy people who could afford them were enjoying them. And yet people just wanted it to be done. Yeah. Something about Elon. It's like you love him or you hate him. People fucking hate him, dude. Which is just bizarre because now Anytime you go into an area that isn't hurting economically, and even if you go into the hood, really, you see Teslas everywhere, and people like them, and there are more people and more charging stations them, popping I wanted, up. I wanted to get a Tesla, but the problem is like, if you get a Tesla, like I don't, you don't want to get like a used one. You want to get like one you make. You know what I'm saying? You could yes. get a used one, but I kind of want to get like a pimped one. You don't know what but they've the done to that battery. But the back order on them, bro, is like a fucking year. Right. And then you got to get like a charging shed. I'm like, I'm not waiting to get a, a year to get a, another car. Right. Like what? So that's, yeah. And people don't appreciate that demand. Yeah. Like wow. that's what makes a successful company. Yeah. He's got that Starlink internet. There's like an 18 month waiting list to get a receiver. But you get it. And even out on the islands where I live, you get 150 megabyte per second speeds. And like the fastest thing there is like 20 megabytes per second. He's it's, doing crazy game shit, bro. Yeah. That's a fool. I want to meet that, dude. There, I, don't, I can't think of any other business helmed by a guy bringing that much to the market out right now. Steve Jobs was doing it before he died. He made the iPhone. Yeah. And <laughs> look how look that's turned out. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. So I just think that as far as individual companies in, in the tech space, you're crazy to be betting against Tesla. I know, but people are going to do it. And I bought Twitter too, some Twitter um, for shits and giggles, you know? And I mean, I don't see why that wouldn't just skyrocket up either. People are hanging on it a little bit, but it's going to, the changes he's talking about are going to make people a lot more inclined to come back on Twitter that have left it. Trump's about to be back on, huh? People love watching that show, right? Yeah. I do. I think it's hilarious. Have you heard about what he might do integrating Bitcoin? No. Who? Elon or Trump? What they're talking about doing is making two separate checkmark systems. And this is to get rid of some of the bots. A checkmark system where you can be a real person, like a blue one. And then another color checkmark that you can remain anonymous, but you can get charged financially. You have to pay to be verified and they can just take that money. And it's only like a couple of bucks, maybe $20 tops. But if you do something wrong, you, whatever, 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 you know, try to try to infiltrate the government with Russian bots or whatever, they can penalize you. And right now there are computers out there that just make accounts all day long that are fake, that are robots. And they just flood the Twitter block with them. And they're going to do this potentially with Bitcoin because 
it's so cheap to do a transaction and it's finalized. And anytime you do that stuff with a credit card, the credit card company is taking ultimately like 10 to 20% after it's all said and done. And then they're holding it and it's not real and they're involved and it becomes too expensive. Mm -hmm. But by using cryptocurrency and that efficiency, they could literally verify pretty much everyone on Twitter. And they wouldn't have to be... That'd be interesting. It would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be weird, huh? I wonder how they do that. That's what people smarter than you and I at that stuff are probably going to have to figure out. Yeah. Um, But I like how the critics of cryptocurrency who say, well, this isn't a tangible asset, are having ways that cryptocurrency beats tangible assets just pop up on systems they're using. Like they're ultimately going to have to get on them. Rapid fire, Bitcoin or Ethereum? Oh, Bitcoin, huh? Bitcoin? We were just talking about that, yeah. All right. Over Ethereum. Dogecoin or Shiba? Shiba. Shiba. Lincoln or Cadillac? Cadillac. Sedan or truck? Truck. Indica or Sativa? Sativa. Lemon or lime? Lime. Nipsey Hustle or YG? Nip. Biggie or Tupac? Pac. <laughs> I don't understand how anybody says Biggie at this point. Dude, people game. say he's like the best rapper of all time. That's fine, but how many lives has he changed? Yeah, I, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you can go deeper than hip hop. It gets real deep, I feel like, with, with Tupac. Tupac. I feel like he had some real vision for what he could do for the culture. And to this day, not only does that vision hold true, but his songs are bangers. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. My favorite song when I'm mobbing LA is to live and die in LA. That shit slaps. Pumps me up. I, I, you know, I'm not a rapper, so maybe Biggie had more intricate rhyme schemes, but... They said he was a better lyricist, I think, than Tupac, but I mean... Tupac would paint pictures. Yeah. You're coming into LA and you put that on. Yeah. And you know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. He's right on with it. Yeah. That's true. The hip hop culture seems to have blended with some other cultures right now. I feel like their fashion's really, really mainstream. And I think it's really cool how your merch between NDA Diaz army Mm -hmm. and represent is what's, I don't, what's the right word. I'm old, but it's like it's actual fashion or, um, I mean, it's athletic wear. Some of it is and other stuff, street wear. And it's completely different from any other fight gear that I've ever seen. Our stuff, yeah, because it's not really, yeah, well, it's just not fight gear, really. Right. Yeah. Unless people know what it is, a lot yeah. of times they don't even realize that it is fight gear. Yeah, exactly. How did that happen? How did you get yeah, such great gear? I think we just got lucky. I mean, yeah, we asked for some things, but sometimes, you know, I'd like to be surprised and I want to see, like, people, like, creativity. You know, I don't want to just be... Like if I, I don't know, like I do want to, I want to be behind everything, but 
I want to see what people got, you know. So you kind of let the artists do their thing and yeah, then just see I mean, what resonates with you. I'm I'm not a, that creative of a person, really, so. Except in the cage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, when it comes to pictures or, like, T-shirts, I don't know. I'm too simple. Well, the stuff that you've got is great. Yeah. I'm a simple person, so I like the simple stuff. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Xbox when I was a kid, though, but PlayStation took over. Shooters or RPGs? Shooters. RPGs are fun, though. What's your all-time favorite shooter? Oh, my gosh. I mean, Mine was Halo was... 2. Oh, that, man. That ages me. Um, when, dude, when I was a little kid, that was the shit. Me and my homies after school, we'd after football practice or baseball, whatever the fuck we were playing, we'd always hop on. And, bro, Black Ops 2 was so lit. Um... Halo 3, Halo 3 was... Halo 3, Halo 3 right. is probably the best Halo in And my Halo opinion. 3 had all the maps that yeah. Halo 2 had. I remember that's when and people started one, getting think, really one. good, though. Yeah, and it had its maps, and those maps became OG maps. I remember being a gaming nerd when I was a kid, dude. That shit, because all my homies were playing, so I was like, I'm playing. You know, what the fuck? I can't just be left out, and it was hella fun. I was like, I get why everyone's playing these video games. Grand yeah. Theft Auto 2 when I was a kid. Oh, oh my God, bro. I'd be online playing just whacking fools. The shooters and the sports games saved me. Yeah, Madden was tight. Especially when I went down to Florida to go to chiropractic college. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And of course, I met people and, and all of that. But I was able to keep in touch with all my homies from back home. Through video games, huh? Put on that headset and we could still talk and hang out and chill. Yeah. Like we always did. When I went to college, I would play video games. So I, cause like I wouldn't talk to my homies anymore at all. Right. And the people that played, like, I'd be like, okay, I can, at least I can talk to them, you know, fine. Cause I won't just be texting them so I can talk to them through a video game. I remember like older people telling me, you know, your hometown friends, you're going to, you guys are going to grow apart and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but a lot of these dudes are really great guys. I don't, I don't want to grow apart. And all the criticism about video games, of course, that's everybody's in the metaverse now, which is a video game. But also, that's one of the great things. Like, you're able to still maintain your relationships and do something fun together. Yeah. Kill time with it, too. You know, that's what I like to do in between training sessions because it just kills time. That's one of the great things about apps on your phone as far as investing now. Yeah. You can do something productive when you're just killing time anywhere. Mm-hmm. Not for sure. Crypto or stocks? Man, you got me on the stock game right now, but I'm, I like crypto. Individual stocks or ETFs like VOO, which for those who uh, don't individual. know, VOO is an S&P 500 stock. So when you buy a share of VOO, you're getting exposure to all the companies in the S&P 500. It's, it's weird. No one talks about this fight, really. No one really verified. This is when he busted his leg and won, yeah. right? But it's weird that no one talks about it. It's almost like the UFC just wants to go along with their marketing. He said he didn't lose the fight, so they just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know. He I just think, fought this weekend, right? Yeah, I think Cheeto would beat him again. Did you see the fight, Cheeto's fight this weekend? Yeah, Cheeto looked pretty. He looked good. Yeah, Cheeto's a good fighter. Seems to be a we hard train with him. We we all trained with him down south at my last camp, so he was a cool guy. He's cool. You showed love to on my last post. We're not going to name any names, but you've trained all over with the best of the best. You know what's out there. Yeah, I've trained with some good dudes. 
It's my last camp. I spar with hella. I spar with good guys this camp, but my last camp, I spar with hella good guys. I uh, I have a I have kind of a funny story. You've been really supportive of me starting the stand up comedy thing. It's not completely starting it. I I did it when I lived in Chicago about ten years ago, but I've been wanting to come back to it, and it's been going really well. Over the weekend, I did my first real professional show. I was just the opener. I wouldn't consider myself a professional. They were being nice letting me on there, on the card. And uh, they, when I got there, they told me I was opening. Opening is kind of a different deal because you got to warm the crowd up. And that, that's what, the, what a professional wants. They want people already giggling so that they're, they're ready to go on the ride or whatever you're going to do. And my comedy is kind of, you got to think about it. And it's also pretty dark. <laughs> like I, I, <laughs> As this arcade, yes, my first real show was at an arcade, was filling up with people. I see the, the front row just lining up with what looked like grandmothers to me. And I'm just thinking, okay, they are, they're just, this is not gonna, this is not gonna fly. But I got to commit to the act and they asked me to come because of this material. So I'm going to do it. And <laughs> I see these ladies just glaring at me, just nothing. And I knew it was going to be nothing. Uh-huh. And then I kind of, I start to scan the crowd a little bit more as I get into my third joke. And uh, my third joke, there's a couple of guys like sitting to what look like their mother, sitting next to what looks like their mothers. And I see this one guy start laughing and the lady elbows him and he just goes back to just, stone-faced and by the end of my set I had I had started to get some good laughs and it worked out but uh man what a what a they didn't like it they you know what I even think the grannies liked it I think they had to appreciate the fact that I just yeah that I just stood up there and committed that's cool I mean on my second joke I just stared right at them I knew it was coming yeah but uh I think that after Opening a show in an arcade, whatever comes after that, it won't be tougher. And uh, I wanted to just get it out of the way. You need those. I always hear about you guys talking about your first fights, and they'd be, you know, in a gym or. Mine was in a parking lot outside in Bakersfield, and it was a hundred eight degree, hundred and eight degrees, and the the mat surface was black, and it was in the middle of the sun. It was like five thirty. It was like 5.30. So if you hit the ground, you were potentially going to no, get a third No, but your feet were burns. burning. They, they had ice under the mat, like under every little inch of the mat, and then they would hose it after every fight or every round. Was it a cage or a ring? Cage. In a parking lot. Mm-hmm. In 108 degrees. Mm-hmm. No trees. Dude, it was off the highway. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Parking lot, Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. And you do that work. And then you walk into the MGM Grand mm-hmm. or T-Mobile Arena. T-Mobile. And if you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't be there. Where would you be? I don't know. You, you wouldn't be where you want to be. It's a weird thing about life like that. Can you talk just a little bit about how the Contender Series happened? Because that's, a, that's kind of a funny story in that you just took the you just felt like it was the opportunity to take after you hadn't felt well, like other things I got went. a short notice call it was like two two and a half three weeks 
took it. It was against a light heavyweight. He pulled out. And then I think we had a middleweight. Middleweight pulled out. And they're like, hey, we got one guy. And I was like, all right. They're like, but he's a heavyweight. And I was like, fuck, maybe he's not that big. And he was like all of 265 pounds. He was big. He was right? fluffy. Big old fucker. And uh, I was like, all right, let's just do it. Let's just try it. And we fucking tried it and it worked out. But now I look back, I'm like, I won't even do that now. <laughs> well, it, the thing about it was it was like an artistic performance. Like you yeah. fought that guy in a perfect way where mm-hmm. he couldn't do anything. But did you ever fought a guy that big or even wrestled a guy that big? Uh, wrestling, yes. Not 265 pounds, but maybe in practice, yeah, but not in a competition, which is completely different. What weight did you wrestle at in competition? 84s. Um, I was 97s my freshman year of college, but every year of high school from sophomore year up and... um. End of college, I was 184s. Did you enjoy wrestling in college? People, it was fucking hard. I hear that a lot. You Like, you almost don't have the full college experience. But then in retrospect, you do because you worked you really hard. Yeah, and I got the college experience because I, I dropped out and I started fighting full-time. And I was still 21, so I was doing all the college stuff back home in Chico, you know? Yeah. So I, got, I got the best of both worlds, really, but um, I don't know. It's like, dude, it, it's hard, like, being away and shit and just fucking, like, wrestling coaches are like, it's like the military. Yes. And you got double days every day and then you got fuck, and it's like fucking hella hard and then, and then it's just nonstop shit, too. You just don't stop going. I think that that preparation, though, is something that is why there are so many successful martial artists with a wrestling background. They've got the work ethic. Aside from the techniques, mm-hmm. they learn how to grind. They mm-hmm. learn how to commit. They learn how to, you know, show up at camp or show yeah. up at the gym week after week. Yeah. Be be alone if need be. Just whatever you got to do. Yeah, wrestling's like a weird sport like that. It's, and it's just weird, you know. Because it's not like boxing where you go to, like, college for it. You know, boxing, that's why boxing and wrestling are different. But they're similar otherwise you know how how it is but in wrestling do guys get their records padded like in boxing no or do you just get thrown to the wolves that's why wrestling's hard <laughs> it does not get padded at all like at all it is it's a fucking difficult competition and if you think it's gonna get padded if a, uh, if a coach like if you're wrestling for iowa and i'm wrestling for fucking oregon state mm-hmm I can see your calendars and your schedule. So if you think you picked an easy schedule, I'll find out where you guys are going and I'll bring my team there. For real. That's how like So you make sure they don't have an easy time. Yeah, nobody did. That's a lot different than boxing where you see guys just get brought up thinking they're they're perfection. Yeah, and then they have a loss. Yeah. And they don't know how to deal with it. I know. That's they're, why wrestling and jiu-jitsu is really good because you just have to have short memory if you lose, you know. It's like, all right, whatever. I'll get you next week. I don't want to lose, but fucking whatever. I remember when I was getting my blue belt that I 
I kept having random shit happen and I would, I wasn't losing these jujitsu tournaments, but I would like lose on a decision. One time I got to the finals with this dude on my team who I knew I was going to just destroy. And my coach, because he'd been training longer, had me, uh, what do they call it when you just forfeit? You yeah. Forfeit. He just had me forfeit and gave the guy his blue belt. And he was like, you need to keep coming back until you win one. And I wanted that belt. So I just kept coming back and just figured it out. And uh, it was annoying, but it added to my character and everything. Yeah. And I failed at business all the time, but everybody who's good at business has failed a whole bunch of times. And then they keep learning the little lessons to get everything ironed out. Yeah. And they finally get the formula right. Yeah. How can people find you? How can people follow along? Um, you can find me at Nick Maximov on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and I Facebook maybe. Uh, Everywhere. But don't go on my Facebook. F- Facebook is dead. And if people want to look out for your merch, they can. And and it's gonna be dropping either tonight or tomorrow. You got a fight capsule dropping this week. Uh, probably next day. All right. So when this podcast comes out, you can go to represent. Dot com and represent find it. Or you can go to my Instagram and find it in my bio. And get the capsules coming out. And there's all kinds of great stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the It's the, the same company that makes all of Nate Diaz's merch and mm-hmm. Chris Avila's. And you can also check out NDA Army for all the official gym merch. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot, they do, everybody does a lot of collaborations together. Is there anything else that you want people to check for? My fight May 14th. Tune in May 14th. UFC.